0: Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word. Numbers 13, verse number one, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send, everybody say, send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness Of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them I want you to to understand and, and see, God told him to search. But Moses said, "Spy. Search is to explore. Spy almost has a negative connotation in someone, well, I'm going to see if this is if, if this is really. But he said, "Spy out the land of Canaan. Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land." What it is. Therein whether they be strong or weak. Few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in. Whether it be good or bad. and What cities they be that they dwell in. Whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is. Whether it it be fat or lean. Whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage. And bring up the fruit of the land. I love this portion. Now. Everybody say now. Now the time. Now the time in verse number 20. Was the time. Of the first right grapes. So they went up and searched the land. From the wilderness of Zin. Unto Rehob. As men. Come to Hamath. They ascended by the south and came unto Hebron. Verse number 23 they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two and upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. And the place they call the brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. I know I'm making your stand. Verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto the omen unto all the congregation, showing them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely, surely, somebody say, Surely, it floweth with milk and honey. And here's the evidence. Here's the grapes to prove to us it's flowing. There's promises that God has spoken. We can do this. Verse number 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. But I thank God for a man that would stand up in the midst of evilness and say, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it, but the men that went up with them said, "We are not. We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we." And they brought up an evil report. Evil. Somebody say evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, "The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that." eateth up the inhabitants there. And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature or giants. And there we saw the giants. And the sons of Anak which come up the giants, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Because of the way I perceived myself, so we were in their sight. If the Lord will help me, unbeknownst to me, I did not know the man who honored this pulpit during the Sunday school hour would begin to touch and preach on. Thank you for stealing all my notes and preaching. So it's going to be 2.0. Some of it. I want to preach to you today. It's a form of a question, but a declaration. Are you scared of the giants? Or do you want to taste the grapes? Are you scared of the giants? Or do you want to taste the grapes? How many want to taste the grapes today? Would you lift your hands all over this house? And would you begin to ask God to help us today to receive the word in this house? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray your anointing would be upon us. Lord, I pray right now you would anoint your servant today. In Jesus' name, and somebody say amen. Amen. Won't you turn to your neighbor and say, Are you scared of the giants? Or do you want to taste the grapes? If you'll preach with me for the next few moments of time, I will try to expedite time and get you to the restaurants before 2 o'clock, and we'll have a good rest of the evening off. In Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham his seed will be a stranger in a land, and will be afflicted for 400 years. And that then God would judge the nation. But in the midst of the judgment, they would come out of that land of bondage with great substance. God gave Moses a word, a promise, to bring to His children, the children of Israel. This promise comes to them. After 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians, aren't you glad that God, when He makes a promise, He cannot lie. It may take 400 years. It may take 40 years. It may take 4 years, 4 weeks, 4 months, or 4 days. 4 hours or 4 seconds. It does not matter in what God says. If he's ever spoken a promise to you or over you, you ought to dance as one pastor said in advance because God makes good on his promises. The promise found in Exodus 3 and 17. It says, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of... Of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. God has given you dreams and visions. Some of you sit here today weary in the dream and the vision that God gave you. But don't you abandon a word from the Lord. He will bring it to pass. We find in Deuteronomy 6, 10-11, He tells them, Wait a moment. I know I told you that the land is flowing with milk and honey. But I left something out. There are great and goodly cities that they're waiting on you. You didn't build them. They're just waiting on you to occupy. There are houses full of good things, which thou wilt feel. There would be wells that you would possess that you did not dig. You won't have to dig any wells because I've already already prepared it. There are vineyards over there that you've not planted, but they're waiting on you to arrive. You didn't plant them. But one small detail, i got to tell you, There are giants over there. I'm making you aware that there is giants over there. Numbers 13, our text, Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land and bring back fruit or evidence of what they would explore and find. They go into the land, they spy it out, and they bring back figs and pomegranates. And grapes. The grapes were so big that it took two men to carry one cluster on a staff between them. I've never seen a cluster that big. I've never witnessed anything like that in my life. The Bible doesn't say by name, but we take it from future Scripture references, uh, that Joshua and Caleb were the only two who agreed upon the promises of God... And who believed they could possess their inheritance. All twelve spies announced emphatically, it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is evidence of what's over there. Here is the fruit of the land I like to think of it this way and I've said it many years prior but God reminded me last evening all twelve were at the right address but only two had the right spirit it's very important that we understand we're all at the right address But it's up to us if we get the right spirit that says, I can do this. This is my land. This is my promise. This is my dream. I do not want my grave to be written upon an epitaph that would declare what might have been. What if they would have believed? What if they would have done this? But I declare under the SCC today, we're at the right address and we've got the right promises. We've got the right vision. We've got the right dream. (laughs) The ten spies went on to say, nevertheless, in our modern language, it would be what they said was, But, I know that can be a harsh and cruel word there, but as soon as they emphatically declared, yes, the land does flow with milk and honey. Yes, here's the evidence. But, this one little word has robbed people of their faith. Stolen their health. Robbed them of their dreams. Kept them from their miracle. Slammed the door to the promises of God. I'm up here screaming and declaring. Brother Dallas was up here emphatically telling us of the promises of God that are true. We're hearing it today! But, nevertheless, that's good for them. Or, let me make it plain. I know God can heal, but. I know God can deliver, but. I know God can save, but. I know God can open that door, but. I know God can bring water out of a rock, but can He give us a table and put meat on it in the wilderness? I know God can, but. How many times have we stood on the border of the promised land? How many times have we stood at Kadesh Barnea and failed to take possession? How many times has one generation and then the next generation, how many times have promises, let me say it like this, how many times have churches got so close to the promises of God? So close to the breakthrough. So close to a demonstration. A breakthrough that would catapult us into a whole new realm. And we stop because we see well, what if we're attacked? What if the giants get us? What if this happens? What And we fill ourselves with excuses. Much like these men. Every time you add a but to a promise of God, you limit God. But let me, let me, let me say it real plain. You disqualify yourself from His promise and from His provision. When we begin to question God, we begin to question His will and His way and His timing. It's like putting a butt on the promises of God. The ten spies all had the same problem. They had giants in their eyes. I said they had giants in their eyes. They were not focused on what they should have been focused on. All they could see were the sons of Anak. All they could see was the giants of the land. But God was trying to reveal to them two men walking. I don't know how heavy that cluster of grapes was. I don't know the weight. I don't know the mass. All I know, the Bible says it took two men to carry the cluster. At some point in your life, as a believer, you've got to make up in your mind what you want in life. You want the giants? Or do you want the grapes? Do you want the giants? Or do you want the grapes? I know standing before me, thank you, thank you to my beautiful wife for helping me with my demonstration today. Grapes represent the promises of God. I said grapes represent the promises of God. They represent the blessings of God. They represent the provisions of God. Giants represent the enemy of our soul. It represents the adversaries to the promises and the provisions of our God. Giants represent are employed by hell to resist you to frustrate you and to steal the promises of God from your life please pastor make that plain to me thank you I will there are all kind of giants the giant of fear the giant of insecurity the giant of inferiority the giant of sickness the giant of debt the giant of perversion the giant of Addiction to substance, the giant of depression, the, the, the giant of worry, anxiety, stress, family problems, and the list could go on. But whatever name you put on it today, their mission, the giant's mission, is to keep you out of your blessing. To keep you on this side of your promises. To keep you from enjoying the promises of God in your life. But sooner or later man, woman, boy and girl of God sooner or later in your life you're going to have to get going to pursuing the grapes or the giants will destroy you you cannot have giants and grapes at the same time you must cross the line in the sand and that says either the giants are going to occupy my thoughts and capture my attention and decide my actions control my life, or a divine pursuit comes up on the inside of you. it says i'm motivated like I've never been motivated before. I'm convinced like I've never been convinced before, if God's ever gave me a promise, I will, I will see the promises of the Lord fulfilled for me and to me in the land of the living. I cannot be driven by giants. I've got to be driven by grapes. I can't let the giants keep me from my destiny. I can't let the giants keep me from my promises. I can't let... It's waiting on me. I'll try not to step on them and mess the carpet up. But every time I look at a grape... It represents the promise of God. The blessings of God. The favor of God. Every time I see a giant, it represents defeat. It represents a hindrance to the will of God and the plan of God. But when you get motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, you'll scare some people. Grape tasters scare people. Because your talk's going to start changing. Your thinking's going to start changing. Grape tasters have a different talk about them. Grape tasters have a different walk about themselves. Your worship will shift and your worship... I'm a grape taster. I, I, I can't just have a little patty cake worship in my life. God's been too good to me. God's destroyed and defeated the giants in my life. So my hand clap, it just might offend some of you. My dance may not make sense to some of you, but when you're a great taster, your worship will be big. Your giving will be big. Your consecration will be big. The plans that God has for you will be big. Your talk and thinking will shift and become big to match your potential based on the promises of God. You make bold declarations like Joshua and Caleb. They were in the mighty minority, but they were the only one that tasted the Do you understand that? They're the only one of that generation. Man, these are pretty good, even if they ain't washed. It's high carb. Man. See what happens when you have a different report. You're convinced that every word God says will come to pass. I want you to hear your pastor today that when you become aggressive in your faith and when you become bold in your confession, you're going to attract attention. Your greatest enemies are not going to be in the world or of the world. The greatest enemies to bold, courageous, grape-grabbing, grape-tasting, giant-killing faith are going to be those sitting by you in church. They are the ones with giants in their eyes. All they can see is giants, but all I can see is grapes. All they can talk about is what might happen. And you got just a, that, that, that little minority group over here, like two or three, that says, you know what? I can't wait to get to prayer meeting I'm not talking about the giants that I've seen today. But if I can just get to the prayer room, and if I can just get to the sanctuary, I can taste some grapes. I can taste some promises of God. All we can do if we're not careful is just hang on to God's unchanging hand and understand when others, all they can see is a bad economy, a dwindling Social Security, the health insurance catastrophe in our world, the high gas prices. Somebody ought to say amen about right now. When everyone around us is seeing all negative and they decide it's not worth it. And they will not fight with you. And they will criticize you and they will persecute you. And they will do everything they can to hinder you and keep you from moving forward and possessing the greater blessing. The truth is, this describes many I hate to say, in the apostolic church, we have been captured by the giants. We're in the right address. But the giants have captured our thoughts. We're being hindered. We're being held prisoner by a giant mentality. They are slaves in a giant prison. These are the ones who will resist you and resent you from breaking out Of the giant prison. They will criticize you and do everything they can to discourage your faith. But like Joshua and Caleb, you've got to be part of the ones. You've got to be the individuals that say to these people, I love you, but I don't agree with you. I love you, but I just can't. Do that. I love you, but I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to be limited by the giants of my thinking. I just want too much for my life and my family. I believe that God created me to be a great taster. I believe with everything in me. I believe somebody is about to break out of a giant mentality prison. It's held you captive. That giant has told you you're not worthy. You're not qualified. You'll never... God, I feel the Holy Ghost. (sighs) There's a grape-tasting spirit about to break loose in the sanctuary. There's a grape-tasting spirit that would say, I can and I will break out of this giant prison. I can't try to fit in the church and fit in the world. It just won't mix. Let me preach to some young people right now. You may be the minority in your school. You may be the minority to those around you. But you can become a mighty minority. It can just be you and the Lord. It can be you and somebody else. And when temptation comes your way, you can say, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I I, I was created for something better than that. When the peer pressure from hell starts coming and knocking at your door, you can stand and say, I was created to be a great taster. I will not let the giants of this world destroy me. You see, if I can ever get you to taste one of these, if I can ever get you to taste the grapes, the giants won't matter anymore. You see, the giants don't matter anymore. Because once you taste the grapes, giants are promises. I'm sorry, giants are problems, but grapes are promises. I've just got to get convinced what I want. What what do you want? Do you want to taste the, the grapes? Or do you want to just keep year after year fighting the same old giants? What they had to get convinced of, and that generation unfortunately didn't. All they had to do was show up. And the Lord was going to defeat their enemy. All they had to do was get their soles of their feet, get their carcass into the promised land. And everywhere they went, it would be took care of. They had a promise from God. But all they could do was think. There's giants over there. They're big men. They're bigger than we are. They're taller than we are. But when you get a spirit of, I, I'm tasting the grace. When I fill my eyes with grapes and not with giants. When I get my eyes on the promises and not on the problems. God lets us know that it is time to break out of a giant prison way of thinking. Some of you have been held too long. Some of you have perpetually went around the same giant fearful and afraid. So long. You have dealt with a past that every day you wake up in your fearful and afraid but on this Sunday I feel you busting out of that prison that spirit of condemnation and fear and rejection and betrayal I feel an old-fashioned busting out is about to happen in the heart in the life of men and women under the sound of my voice God is getting ready church God is wanting to give you a new vision you're not going to have your eyes full of giants anymore But you're going to start seeing grapes. When you wake up, you're going to think grapes. You're going to talk grapes. You're going to walk grapes. When you close your eyes at night, my God, I wish Pastor would have never said I was going to see a grape. You're not going to see the problems like you once did. You're going to see the promises and provisions of God. The blessings of God. Hear me. Hear me, church. There is a whole generation coming behind this group. They're coming behind us that is depending on us to show them how to deal with giants and how to taste grapes. I'm going to talk to you a a little strong right here. It's time for some of us to mature up. I said that very nicely. Let me say it very plain. It's time for some of us to grow up and take our rightful place in the body of Christ. God's put you in this body not to be a baby. Not to be a whiner or a complainer. But He's put you in this body to be a mentor. To be a coach. To be someone to come alongside of a young man or a young woman and put your arm around them and say... You can beat that. You can win that. That's not a giant that cannot be slain. You can make it through this. You're gonna be all right. I'm on your I've been where you are. That's what God's trying to rise up in us. There are testimonies that are sitting and laying dormant on our chairs. And if you would just open up your mouth and say, it's no longer a giant prison, but a grape tasting experience. You don't know how you would affect someone if you would go to them and say, you know what? I was once on drugs. I was once addicted to perversion. I was once a, a whoremonger. I was once this. I was. Because they're sitting on a pew over here wondering, am I the only. Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Am I struggling with this all by myself? But if they had some. I know you've been struggling, but I want you to know I've been where you are. Really? I know what you've been going through. If you'll just hang on, victory's just ahead for you. It looks like a giant from where you are. And yes, it is a giant. But you don't understand, there's some grapes ahead of you. There's some grapes in your future. There's some blessings in your future. But if the devil can kill this generation, if the devil can plant a seed, that they can't be victorious. They can't overcome. They'll never experience They'll never experience the grapes. They'll never experience the blessings. We won't have a church in a few years, Brother Weaver. Brother Jeff, we won't have a church if we don't display to them. Well, I'm just scared of the giants. Oh, no, 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 no. Brother Cordova, we can kill and destroy these giants. I've been through too much. I've seen too many things. And I know the joy and I know the taste of a grape from a land flowing with milk and honey. I know what it's like to lay my head on my pillow at night and toss and turn. I know what it's like to live a double life. I know what it's like to lie and deceive. I know what it's like to struggle with addiction. I know what it's like. But oh, when you break free out of that giant, when you break free out of that prison, and you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and see the Lord is good. When you taste and see the Lord is good, there's some grapes that are waiting on us. There's some grapes that are waiting. When you start tasting grapes, I'm sorry, we'll clean it up afterwards. You see, when you lose the grapes, you've lost the promise. But as long as you got grapes in your eyes, as long as you got the promises, as long as you got the grapes. One, two, three, four, five, six. See, when I get a cluster of grapes, it's not just one. I've got six attached to that one little cluster. But imagine having a cluster so big. That two men had, I don't know how far they journeyed. But I wonder if they had to. All right, come on over here, boy. Somebody gotta take this load off of me. We gotta get it back to the, we gotta get it back to Moses. We gotta get it back to the camp. I just wonder if the weight of the grapes in their journey the weight of the grapes some way somehow convinced them that the giants the giants were bigger than the grapes the giant the tasks i know what i had to do in waiting and carrying the grapes the provision i don't know but something got in their spirit. It caused them to fear the giants rather than tasting the grapes. I'm going to try to close. Musicians, come. For too long, giants have been lying to you, threatening you. Stealing from you. But this morning, there's going to be a few of you that's going to walk up to this altar and say, Pastor, I want my grapes. I've let giants live rent free in my mind. I've let giants live in my thoughts. But not today. Today when you taste the grapes, what you're doing, when you grab one out of this bowl, you're grabbing your joy back. You're grabbing your peace back. You're grabbing the salvation of your prodigal back. You're taking... An, I'm taking a new anointing. Back. I'm taking my breakthrough. I'm taking control of my life. Uh, It's been spinning out of control. I've listened to the wrong voices. I've listened to peer pressure. I've listened to that. I've listened to those that said I can't, but I'm a giant killer and a grape taster. What a tragedy it is to let giants stop you from eating the grapes. Hear me, Brother Dallas. It's a tragedy. Holy Ghost right here. When you let giants stop you from eating grapes that are growing on your property. The promised land was theirs. It was their property. It was their land. It was already given to them by God. All they had to do was go and show up. I believe if they would have showed up and stood before them, giants would have failed. Houses would have become unoccupied. They would have turned on themselves just like they did in later chapters and later books of the Bible. The devil knows the grapes belong to you. They know they're on your property. They know he knows the promises and the words of God that have already been spoken. But the devil won't give up without a fight. I said the devil won't give up without a fight. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, Brother Paul, but the violent, take it by force. The grapes are your reward for standing on the Word of God. All hell breaking loose in your life, but you're standing on a Word today. Sickness attacking your body, but you stood on the Word and you're going to get your healing. Your finances are being attacked, but can I challenge you today if you'll stand on the Word. Your marriage, your family is being attacked. But would you take a step of faith today and say, I'm standing on a Word. You stood on the Word. When you stand on the Word, you back giants down. You cut the heads off of a giant. It's now time to enjoy the grapes. Why were the grapes so big? Because God's promises are never something small and insignificant. The, ju- that the grapes were so big, God was hoping it would convince the people we are well able. I'm not taking the the words of just Moses. I'm not just taking the word that came from God to Moses. God sent evidence back. God sent evidence back into the camp to show them abundance awaiteth thee. Abundance is on the other side. I've lived long enough to tell you God will meet you at your level of commitment. God meets you at your level of surrender. He's not a selfish God. He's not a stingy God. He's not even a tight-fisted God. But the God I serve is excessive. He's extreme. And I believe He's extravagant. He's so generous that when we open our hand, he opens his windows. I said when we open our hands, he says, I'll open the window of heaven. That's the kind of God we serve. He says, if you'll trust me, the giants that you have been fighting alone. The giants that have come from the hillsides, as they did to David. His brethren and armies before David showed up to battle were fearful and afraid. All they could hear and all they could see was a nine foot beast standing in front of them that would come out and mock them. Come out and belittle them. That's all they could see. They didn't understand the spoils. They didn't understand what would happen once Goliath was dead. They didn't put any value in the reward. There was no value in the reward. But oh, there was a shepherd boy, with just a little food, a little morsel of survival for for his brethren. Showed up and heard the declaration. Give me a man. What are y'all doing? Why are y'all sitting over here acting scared and afraid? But didn't you see that giant out there? Didn't you see the giant that is terrorizing? What are you talking about? Have you forgot, Hero Israel? The Lord our God is one. Have you forgot? I know y'all been out here on the battle, but Why y'all been on the battlefield? I've been back watching a few little sheep and a bear come out one day, and I just took him by his beard and just destroyed him. There was a lion that come out, and I took care of him. Really? Yeah, I know y'all think I'm little, and I'm the Bible says Rudy, and I, I'm insignificant. I really don't matter. I'm the I'm the little boy on the backside of the desert tent. But when David heard the command, give me a man, something sparked in him that said, if nobody else will, I will. I may die trying, but I can't sit and be tormented any longer. I cannot sit by and let the adversary of God continue his assaults. David went to that valley floor and he went into that floor of that valley, into that bed, that creek and that little stream that had gone dry, and he picked up five smooth stones. And He went out to meet Goliath. And as the story would unfold, the giant that was sent to destroy was actually the giant who paved the way. The giant who had destined himself to destroy God's people. To destroy that little lad. When that rock went through the air and it landed in that giant's forehead, he fell to the ground David took his took his sword. David didn't have a sword. He stood upon that giant, and he took the giant's sword out. He said, "I'm not going to take a chance that the rock only knocked him out. I'm going to cut his head off, brother Mike. That's what he he took that. Sword. He used the own weapon of the adversary." He used the own sword of the giant to cut the head off of that giant. That head would be lifted in victory and carried to Jerusalem to let everybody know the giant is dead. You'll never hear his voice again. You'll never hear his tauntings again. It has been resolved and it has been taken care of. As you stand to your feet right now, there's a young man or a young lady there's a man or a woman I said there's a man or a woman that you're about to step out of your seat and you're gonna walk to this front and I've got three baskets of grapes I don't know if we'll have enough to go around break off somebody but what you're doing it's a signification I'm going to be a great taster. I'm about to take the enemy's weapon that's been used against me. And I am going to become what the promises of God said I would become. I will change my perspective. I will change the way I see things. The way I'm looking at things. God is not my adversary. God is not out to kill or destroy me. That's the devil's job. His job is to give you life and that more abundantly. He's ready for some of you to step out of your seat and say, "I'm ready to live an abundant life. I'm ready to step into the promises of God. I'm ready to take hold of what He has prepared." Would you step out of your seat right now? Rush to this front. Come to this front and begin to take a cluster. I know it's. A, I know it's just a, a sign. Or don't be ashamed. Don't be. Well, I don't know if I'm worthy. Yes, you are. You're worthy. What you're going to do is take this grave